everybody. How you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio's Green Room Live post game. My name is Bill Matz. I am your director of fun and games for the evening. Uh, what just a shit boring game. I mean, that was not fun. That was not fun at all. Uh, Carter Hart played well that last goal, notwithstanding. Uh, he needs to be tighter on the post, sure, but I think all three goals had something in common. There was a uh, penguin at or in front of the net and uh, no flyer to be found. So when that happens, it's hard for me to to really fault the goalie, especially considering, you know, they they lose if, if he's not in there. Uh, they may even get shut out because they give up on the game if Carter Hart's not in there. Um, I, you know, 16 seconds in giving up a goal, that's just that's just not being ready to go at the start. And I think that's my, my first complaint about this one. Man, remember when the team, we were like, oh, yeah, they're starting fast now. That's something they fixed. They got that fixed in the offseason. You know, the slow starts the last few years. The slow starts last season, uh, they were a real problem. Well, as it turns out, they continue to be a problem. Uh, They give up a goal 16 seconds into the game, and they're chasing the game the entire way. And and even that, even that shouldn't have been uh, a huge issue because, man, I I realize missing Ellis and missing Hayes are – those those are big pieces – but they're out there missing Crosby and Malkin. They're missing Dumoulin, um, Chris Letang. He was symptomatic, and it's his first game back, and he ends up getting the, the winner in overtime. It, you know, They needed to hit him more. They really needed to test his endurance a little bit more than they did. Uh, th- they're missing a ton of pieces out there. Uh, who else wasn't in the lineup? I know Marcus Peterson or Patterson. Uh, I had it written down somewhere. Yeah, Brian Rust, Chad Ruedel, like they're missing a ton of lineup regulars, and the Flyers not only don't beat them, uh, they look bad against them against a team whose first line center is forty-year-old Jeff Carter. Uh, I'm just kind of, you know, after the last game, after the Arizona game, we said, oh, you know what? They they weren't totally up for the game. They weren't. Uh, they didn't play their A game. But they got the two points, and that's what matters. Uh, you know, being able to win when you don't bring your A game, being able to win uh, in different ways other than just outscoring teams like they were at the start of the year. But this is kind of unacceptable. Uh, just losing too many battles on the power play, I thought, uh, even though they get uh, what the TK goal, I believe, was a power play goal. But even still, the... I don't know, the the lack of a sense of urgency in this one. A ton of cliches, I know, but it's what really stood out to me more than anything was the, uh, they just didn't seem like they wanted to bury a team that's in their own division, their historic rival, and uh, that they're flat out better than on paper. I mean, the Flyers have more good players than the Penguins do on the ice tonight, 100%. And they just weren't able to capitalize on that. We talked so much about the Flyers being opportunistic. And, yeah, it was was unlikely they shot 18% all season. But we're seeing now already the shooting regression. Uh, You know, they they need to get some of these guys going again. Joel Farabee uh, hasn't scored in a while. Cam Atkins, and I know he had the one taken off the board the other night, but could have used a little more Cam tonight. Could have – 
the top line, I, I realize they combined for, for the power play goal, but man, TK and uh, Couturier just don't seem to have any chemistry right now. They keep just missing each other on golden opportunities. Uh, really wanted to see that line come out and completely dominate tonight uh, against a team without a true top line, and they just didn't do that whatsoever. Created a few chances, but really wanted to see a lot more. All right. I can just go on and on about this thing because I am just so disappointed in what I saw on the ice tonight. And I really hope it's not a sign of things to come over these next 15 games. Uh, They have one hell of a schedule ahead of them. Uh, So I want to get to all your calls. But first, I want to tell you about Clear Rum, K-L-Y-R, Clear Rum. Uh, I've been drinking it pretty steadily over the past couple of weeks. And damn, if it is not the best rum I have ever tasted in my life. I know there our boys over at clear are disappointed in tonight's in tonight's outcome. They are huge flyers fans, but something you will never be disappointed in is clear rum. If you're thinking rum like Malibu or rum, like I don't know, Captain Morgan or something like that, this is a totally different type of drink. Uh, it's, it's almost like a, a, a sipping rum. It, it's like a craft rum. I, I would call it. It's uh it's absolutely delicious. It's an American style rum dispelled dis- Distilled in Lewisbury, Pennsylvania. I can I can talk, uh, and you know they wanted me to make sure, even though they're in the middle of nowhere, PA. I assume that's where Lewisbury is. Anything that's not uh, Philadelphia is middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania. They wanted me to make sure to tell you that they are huge Flyers fans. So it's an American-style rum distilled in Lewisbury, PA, 12 times distilled, 18 times uh, 18 times filtered. I've been drinking it. Over uh, on the rocks, just a splash of water, and it, it has been absolutely uh, the best. You can find their rum. Uh, I'd say fo- follow them on Instagram, Clear Rum, uh, to be able to figure out where you can get it. But right now, you can absolutely find it at Peddler's Village in the city. Uh, I can, I know that. I know that place pretty well. My wife, Ava, has had appearances there. Uh, It's a great bar, so absolutely check out Peddler's Village and get your clear rum there. All right, that's enough of that. Let us get to the callers, and let's lead it off with Nikki Hall. Nikki, you're live. Welcome back. Hey, Bill. How's it going? Very well. How are you tonight? Side of this game, doing all right, doing all right. Freezing my ass off, but, you know, (laughs) this new house doesn't – I got a – Something's going on with the heating system, but eh, never mind that. A um, few things I actually wanted to get into. First of all, what in the world was going on with Lindblom tonight? Uh, you can ask that about a lot of guys. Uh, I just... No, but Lindblom it, especially, it, it, like, that that Lindblom I saw tonight was not the Lindblom I'm used to seeing. Like, every scoring opportunity he had, he... I, 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 I was, at, like, legit at a loss for words. Honestly. I think he's a little snake bitten right now. It's hard for me to point out any real disappointing individual performances when the team as a whole just disappointed me so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I know. I, I can definitely understand that. Um, and then, you know, I would definitely say that that whole like and the other thing I know you mentioned that, you know, people thought, oh, you know, this was a refurbished team. This low starts aren't going to be a thing. I already had a feeling that there we were still going to get a slow start one of these games, or this probably won't, well, knock on wood, probably won't be the only slow start we'll be witnessing, but hopefully it doesn't come back to bite us in the ass like it did tonight. But, like, I don't think slow starts will be really, like, fixed for us, if that makes sense. Yeah, it doesn't, uh, it, it doesn't look like it anytime soon, Nikki. It, it, it's really unfortunate, too, because, like, you know, we have – Got good guys, and 
you know, we've found ways to win without our best players. So like tonight, just kind of like and against a division rival too. like, oh man, it, it's really unfortunate because these next, the schedule doesn't get any easier from here on out, you know, with Maple Leafs coming off of the OT win, they're, or wait, that's, I'm thinking too far ahead. Uh, Caps actually can't. No, but these, these next 15, 20 games, they're in the absolute toughest stretch of the season. It started tonight. Uh, that's why mm-hmm. getting two points against Arizona, I thought was so important. And I, I, I mm-hmm. thought you got off easy tonight. Like you're kicking off this really difficult part of the schedule. And Crosby, after one game back, mm-hmm. is on the COVID list. Malkin's still out, might not be back till the new year. Uh, Latang first mm-hmm. game back, but they were missing all the guys mm-hmm. I rattled off earlier. Like, I, I, I kind of thought they got, uh, they were fortunate tonight to, to be able to maybe bank another two points and they get the one, they come back and uh, force overtime at least, but just not nearly good enough. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's kind of unfortunate in a sense too, because like they had mentioned on, or I don't know if it was you mentioned or if one of them mentioned, or they probably, it was probably mentioned, you mentioned it and they mentioned it on the telecast. They're just like, you know, if it felt like if it wasn't without Hart being on top of his game, like that, they, that we probably would have easily been blown out like five, six, nothing tonight, no doubt. Um, although that also being said, you know, Caps, are, Caps and the Hurricanes are probably the two upcoming opponents that are kind of like low key concerning me because I've seen the Caps play as of late and they're legit, but who's even. Who's even worse, or I guess not worse and bad, but worse as in like the better of the two? I'd say Carol, uh, the Hurricanes are going to be like probably one of the bigger tests because they're still undefeated. And even if they are, they're literally oh. at the top of the Eastern Conference right now. So, I mean, if they can bring their A game, it should be a good game. But like, I don't know. These, I don't want to say I have DOS after tonight. Yes, this was a bad game. Wasn't one of the more exciting games to watch, but like, like I said, I'm all, I'm definitely interested to see how like how we respond to you know following this loss. I mean, we picked up a point. Not that it really means much at the end of the day, but like we mean then it, you know every point matters. But you understand what I'm trying to say? Yeah, thanks a lot, Nikki. No, it's uh, they're gonna. They're facing a lot of tough competition coming up in this division. It isn't easy. That it's not going to be easy to make the playoffs. They could they could have a good season and miss the playoffs in this division. Uh, we've talked about that on BSH Radio. We've talked that we've talked about that here. Uh, they they could miss the playoffs and have a better year than they did last year, without a doubt. Uh, they can have a damn good season and miss the playoffs with the way things could turn out in this division. So we're going to have to wait and see on that, but that's what makes tonight frustrating is real opportunity for two points against the team in the division. And you just don't seize it. You just didn't take advantage of the opportunity in front of you tonight. 69, 60. You are live on the post game. Bill, thanks for having me. Uh, It's been a while, but uh, you guys brought up a point on this week's BSH radio about that uh, second pair with Sandheim and Ristolainen, that is just not clicking right now. It's just not working. And uh, with Ellis out, uh, maybe now is the time to try something else with those two. They seem invested in the idea that, like, this is stylistically the pair we want. We are going to will this thing into existence. We're going to will it to make it work. But so far, they have not been successful. I mean, I want, I really want Rasmus to work. I mean, he he whiffed the puck there at the uh, at the center line there. And then, yeah. I mean, it seems like every other time that there's a two on one in in our own zone, it's like Sandheim's at the top of the circle somehow, and 
it's just everything turns into a two-on-one. But um, what do you think AV has to do? He has to switch up some lines right now. Like this, this is this, the team looks like they're stale. They do. That's what, you know, top line, do you want to break it up? I kind of do right now because, like, man, Joel Farabee, he needs to get going. I realize he's young and everything. We can't depend on young guys and all. But at this point, they gave him the contract extension. They are depending on him to produce for this team. And he was invisible for a lot tonight. And obviously, on a line with Derek Broussard, like, we can't expect that line to do what it did in the beginning of the season for the rest of the year. Like, that was, uh, you know, that was a lot of luck. They were playing above themselves. I know that. But you got to figure out a way to get some of these guys going on the lower lines. I know that third line has been playing well, even if they haven't been scoring. Lawton's got a goal the last couple of nights. But, uh, you know, JVR, you got to get him going at a certain point they need to think about switching things up in a major way i really like this uh zach McEwen ad honestly it's just claim off of waivers and cost him a thing this guy's like I, I don't know we it's something the flyers have been missing over the past like i'd say three to four years yeah he brings energy he's a nice player uh in that role we know he'll drop the gloves um he's been he's been a decent enough fourth liner you know at a certain point I would like for a Wade Allison, a guy who can put the puck in the net, put the puck in the net as well, uh, maybe to factor into that role of the energy, physicality, and uh, playing lower in the lineup, that type of guy. But for right now, Zach McEwen's what they have, and uh, you know, my issues with this team um, are not with the fourth line, other than like in the third period they shouldn't have played at all. But uh, I guess you can't just do that like on a random Thursday in November. But uh, I'm just disappointed in, in the uh, in the top nine more than anything. All right, thanks Agreed. a lot, Sixty. Uh, let's see here. Let's go to Ian Ackerman. Ian, you are live on the post game. What's up, big dog? How are you tonight? Uh, kind of pissed, man. I hate to be that guy that puts so much emphasis on such an early game, but what, like you were saying, with this upcoming schedule being super brutal and with Pittsburgh having all these big guns out, to me, it's an inexcusable loss. Like you need to find a way to get those two points. Yeah. And it's, it's all well and good that they came back and got one, but this is, I mean, Again, yeah, I agree. Like, I hate putting emphasis on again a random Thursday game in in the first week in November. But this division mm-hmm. is going like if this division if you miss the playoffs in this division by one point, we can point to this point you missed out on tonight. Yeah, the division is stacked, and I mean, this there's month a team that going... hasn't lost yet. We're a month into the season. I know. Yeah, it's nuts. And like you know, Washington looks good. We'll see what they do on Saturday, but. We better not be taking a lot of dumb penalties because, you know, we all know who works in their office in the power play. So, I mean, Hart seemed to be playing all right. I listened to the game. I didn't watch it, but he seemed to keep us in it, although I would have liked him not to let that last goal in. But what can you do? I'll take a point and said nothing. Yeah, and it was an odd play. Like, he got over. He needed to be stronger up against the post and really seal it off. But uh, at the end of the day, like I said, all three uh, – all three Pittsburgh goals had something in common. There was a there was a penguin in front of the net with no defender next to him. Yeah, yeah, can't have that. And I mean, again, falling behind the eight ball. I just turned the game on. I went in the kitchen. I hear they score sixteen seconds in. I mean, are you kidding me? 
I had just sat down. Like I came out, I came out of my office. I I, uh, produced from home on the weekdays, came out of my office, went and sat Mm -hmm. down on the couch. I turned the game on and like, I hadn't fully sat down yet. Like it's, it's, you can't, you can't come out flat in this sort of situation. Pittsburgh was looking for some sort of spark and they got it right away. And then the flyers had to chase the rest of the game. Yeah, it was just like brought back flashbacks of all the PTSD from last season. I was like, oh, man, come on, guys. What are you doing? So. No, absolutely. And thanks a lot, Ian. Uh, it, it was The more I think about this, the more frustrated I'm getting because it's really, as one of the callers just said, it's it's absolutely inexcusable. Warren Brody. Warren, you were live on the post game. Hey, Bill, how you doing? How are you tonight, Warren? Good. Uh, you know, uh <laughs> Very disappointing effort tonight. I, you know, I watched the whole game and I, I still see the same issues: lack of creativity on offense. Not they don't go to the net consistently. They don't get to the net, and defensively they make, you know, bonehead plays and, and dumb penalties. Another one, Albie Kubel. God, that was shocking. He goes after Fried- yeah. Friedman. That was so like ridiculous. I mean, I don't. Yeah, I really didn't. I, I really just didn't even understand what happened there. Start looking at the coach. I mean, you know, it, they're off to a good enough start, but uh, you know, if if some of these inconsistencies and if we're seeing some of the same problems over and over that we've seen for the last year plus, at a certain point, you do have to look at the coach. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. Their talent's okay. It's not great. It's not at the bottom. They're in the middle. They're. They're they're a middle of the pack team right now, so I don't know. Even with all these changes, I don't see that they're that great, and uh, you know, and they should be getting off. They have to put more of an effort. This team is not talented enough to come out flat like this tonight, and it's it, I, the effort's got to be better, more consistent. No, one hundred percent, Warren, and thanks a lot. Uh, that's that's one hundred percent true. Uh, I never thought early in the season we we would be seeing their finished product, and obviously with Hayes out uh, and with excuse me, and with Ryan Ellis out, we're not seeing what they are completely, and they've gotten pretty decent results uh, despite the fact that they're missing those guys, but you need to be able to come out with a little more urgency than they had tonight. You need to be able to hang more than two goals on a Pittsburgh team, missing all those players, like half of their defense is out. You just have to be able to be better than you were tonight. And in terms of the amount of talent they actually have on this roster, I think um, we'll, we'll have a better sense of it. We'll have a better sense of it. You know, as the season moves along, you know, just in terms of how good is Joel Farabee, how consistent can he be, uh, how good can this depth be when Kevin Hayes is the 2C, uh, how good can this defense be when Ryan Ellis is playing those 25 minutes a game alongside Ivan Provorov, and can Carter Hart hold up through, um, you know, the rigors of an NHL season. Uh, he didn't last year, he has in the past, but uh, it the positive I'll take away is Hart does look like the guy again. Uh, he looks like the guy who can backstop this team. Um, he was he was good again tonight. He's the reason they have three points over the last two games. Uh, without a doubt, he is. But they need some other guys to step up now. It's uh, I realize they weren't going to score the way they scored all season in those first couple of weeks, but 
man, the, the drop-off has been really tremendous over the last couple of nights. All right, uh, Johnny Dyer. Johnny, you are live on the post game. Aloha, Bill. How are you doing? How are you tonight? Oh, I've been better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like listen to all these people. I'm like, yeah, I feel the same way. Yep, yep. I wanted to ask you, uh, are they get, can they like beg Joe Mullen to come back and coach this power play? Because it, it looks awful <laughs> with G on the – he's on the wrong side. And at one point in the game – he was caught on like the usual side he was on, and it, it just everything felt right. And even he looked like way more comfortable. Yeah, at first, uh, a couple of games ago when they started with this, it looked like they were moving, they were just moving him around a lot to kind of try to get the most out of uh, Atkinson and JVR, and they were giving different looks. And I thought that was okay, but the idea that he should be set up like in that Jake Voracek spot where he's. You know, basically another point man. Like, I don't know. I don't think the point guard should be that far away from the net as a train passes my house, and it sounds like it's coming <laughs> through my window. Um, I, like, I, I just don't get the idea of uh, having, you know, the guy who's in control of the puck that far away from the net. Like, he's the one generating the offense, and he's, like, at the top of the circle or higher a lot of the time. Uh, the power play, even though they scored a goal tonight, I thought like some of its formation and everything, and that's been an issue for a few years now. So I can think, I I think we can blame the coaches for a lot of that. So much of it though was like, how come we have more guys on the ice, but they seem to be outnumbering us in the corners. Like I, I I don't get how that's possible just mathematically. You know, I, I was one of the things somebody made comments about it. Their um, passes were off, but really it looks like a lot of guys are, uh, from the Braden Shen school of hockey where they just coast, they stop moving their feet and they just kind of coast. And then that throws everything off. You know, when you get out hustled, the pucks consistently, look, they played two AHL teams. I think they're, they're ready maybe now to play a, a professional, you know, an NHL team when they play on what Saturday when they play the Capitals. So now they got these two AHL games out of the way where they played Phoenix or Arizona, wherever they are. And then they just played the Pens, the Wilkes-Barre team. Uh, maybe they can play, uh, you know, adults now, but they got to move their feet. Yeah, and even like, even if they come out, say they beat the Caps, they get it, whatever the outcome is, say they just look good, like that still doesn't excuse. Like you need to put your foot on the throat of these teams you're better than if you want to make the playoffs in this division. It still won't excuse the effort that we've seen the last couple of nights. I agree. La- last thing, like I know Risto is like real divisive like he catches heat and stuff like that but like i the other part of that pair like he's i like sandheim but like that first goal i i, I kept looking to try and figure out where he was like where is ristolainen's defensive partner i couldn't when they showed the goal exactly like you're saying he was the the pens the goal scorer was right right at the blue paint right there with nobody around him and i know like you know, oh, that's Ristolainen should peel off or whatever. But really, like, you know, there's there's two defensemen on the ice. So, I don't know. Maybe, just like you're saying, I I don't know who's gonna who's gonna play with who. But that's not working. And against the team that they just went up against, with with all those guys hurt, all those guys out. Like, and you need all those guys that that weren't playing for Pittsburgh, and they still couldn't beat that team. They got to do something. They got to shake something. Would you put G in the middle of the second line? 
You know, that's something I, I was hoping that got brought up. Uh, and thanks, Johnny. Really appreciate it. That was something I hope got brought up uh, on tonight's show because I wanted to get into it. And we know that Couturier and Giroux, they just kind of go together. Like, they just fit perfectly together. And Giroux, at this point in his career, is better on the wing. He's better with that true center, Sean Couturier. But, man... You need to get a little more out of that line. You need to get a little more out of uh, Derek Broussard than you're getting. You'd be able to move. And that would, you know, that would be able – you'd get more out of Derek Broussard in a bottom six role and then being able to move somebody else down. Like, I think it would help the depth, especially if um, – that's the thing is it, it depends on how they want to deal with this Hayes thing. But is he going to – is he going to come in and be Kevin Hayes, the guy we remember from two years ago right away? I, I have my doubts about that. So I don't think it's a terrible idea. You know you can always go back to Gene Couturier. If everything else is working right and you feel you have the depth to be able to do it, you can always go back to Gene Couturier. It will always work. But for right now, shit, man. I'm thinking, yeah, I think it's time to move Giroud to center to try to get this offense going a little bit. I mean – they haven't. They have not been able to get it going whatsoever uh, on offense the last few nights. They don't have the depth right now. You know, the Derek Broussard thing was a lot of fun to start the season. I think he can play a role for this team lower in the lineup. But right now, having Broussard, Lawton, Thompson uh, play, you know, two thirds of the game basically, that's not getting it done. All right, Dave Brown. Dave, you're live on the post game. Dave Brown, yeah, what's happening, Bill? There you are. Yep. How are you tonight? Good. How about yourself? Very well. Good. Hey, yeah, one of the problems, like the resorting back to the one pass too many. I don't know if you noticed that tonight. You're passing out of good shots. Put the knuckle, put the puck on the net. It's not passing it so much. It drives me nuts when they do this. And something that's been driving me nuts the last two games about the passing is that it has been awful. Like if, awful. It, if, for, if for whatever reason the chemistry just isn't there, everyone's a little off, like, you know, that shit happens throughout the course of a season, then just fire the goddamn thing on net. Like, just see what happens. Right. Because these passes, you know what I know about these passes? They ain't getting where they're supposed to go. Like, they were, they've been so inaccurate yeah, the last few nights that why wouldn't you take the shot? You're Pass isn't going to get there. Right. You're passing it to somewhere where there's not even a shot. It makes no sense to me when they do this. And they've been doing this for years now. I don't know if it's coaching or that's just a habit they get into, but it just drives me nuts. And another thing is you got to take Provorov off the first power play unit. He just takes too much time to make a decision with the puck when it gets to the blue line. Too much yeah, time. Yeah, we, we talked about this on the show uh, this week, and like – Claude Giroux is a deliberate puck mover. He's he's good at it, but he's not the fastest. He makes quick decisions, but he likes to hold the puck and wait for things to transpire. Sean Couturier isn't exactly the world's greatest puck handler. So you ha- you already have two guys who like don't keep the momentum going, but you need them there because they're real good. Um Ivan Provorov isn't that good. He's just kind of, like you said, he's a slow decision maker. He's not, it's not like he has a rocket shot. He he really, he could be anybody. I like Ivan Provorov. He's a nice player for this team. But you could have anybody on the team do what he does on the power play. Right. I mean, we're all looking at it and you can see it. What is AV doing or any of the coaches? Like, what are you looking at? It's obvious he needs to come out. Well, Yandel in there. See what he does. I mean, that's the, if you, you have Keith Yandel. 
you don't if you don't have Keith Yandel on your top power play unit, what's the point? Especially without like without what? that. You know, yeah, if you have a superstar, obviously, sure. But since you don't have that, like Keith Yandel is here to help the power play be better. If he's not doing that, what's the point? Why have Keith Yandel? Right. And and just one more thing. Ristolina, man. Like, the problem with Sandheim and Ristolina is Sandheim pushes up on the play in the offensive zone a lot. So it kind of leaves Ristolina alone when they have to backtrack into their own zone. But he's so bad. I didn't like him in Buffalo, and I didn't like the pickup here. He's just – he's horrible, man. He's like Hag but taller. I don't see the difference. Yeah, thanks a lot, Dave. Um, yeah, I thought – like, there's always the possibility. I thought it was worth a shot with uh, with Ristolainen. Um I thought he'd bring, and you see him, you know, lay the body now and then. Um, I thought he'd play with a lot more of an edge. I thought he'd make us a much more uh, physically intimidating team, a much more difficult team to play against than he has. He has been a lot of, he has looked a lot like Robert Hagen, just that um, kind of not really bringing anything to either side of the game uh, the last couple of nights. Him and Sanheim. Uh, a lot of people want to, you know, talk about one and uh, versus the other. They've both sucked. Like plain and simple, Ristolainen and Sanheim have both sucked. Um, I, I don't know what else to say. I was a proponent of the Ristolainen move when it happened because I thought, hey, maybe just get him out of Buffalo. Buffalo is a garbage organization. But shit, man, um, it kind of looks like everything everybody said about him was true. And on top of that, they seem to believe he's like some sort of stay-at-home defenseman. And he really isn't. Also, he has zero points so far. So I, I'm, to say I'm disappointed in what I've seen out of Sanheim uh, is is an understatement. Obviously, it's early in the year. He can play. He can play much better than this for the rest of the year, and I'll be elated. Uh, but right now, you're not getting anything out of either guy, and it's it's tough because shit, man. They gave up a first round pick for for Ristolainen, and now you're thinking, huh. You either re-sign him and you re-sign a guy who sucks or you gave up a first-round pick for a guy who sucks and you didn't bring back. Like Either way, it's not looking good. Uh, I always think you should take risks. I think it was maybe worth the risk, but oof, it is not working out. Hunter Moyer. Hunter, you are live on the post game. Yo, what's up, Bill? How are you tonight, Hunter? Um, Not bad. I, I didn't really get to watch the game until the, the third period, but uh, same with the Phoenix game. But the, the one problem I have is is with our injuries that we have and Ellis being in quotes day to day and uh, Kevin Hayes on the long term injury reserve is if we don't get these guys back for a while and, and some people don't start stepping up their game. This this being a year where the Flyers is a make it or break it kind of ordeal it, is, is huge. And that, that's why you need players like Farabee and, and, and Ristolainen and the newer faces to, you know, step it up. Yeah, 100%. Uh, it looked like they were going to be able to keep things, you know, above water, at least until they got some of their, uh, some of their, you know, better players back, got some reinforcements here. And listen, they still got a point tonight. They still have a good record. They're still right in the thick of things. But this schedule is not getting any easier anytime soon. I keep saying these next 15 to 20 games are the toughest stretch of the season. And, you know, they see Tampa a few times. They see Florida a few times. They see Colorado. They see the Hurricanes a bunch. So, a whole bunch of division games. It's it's going to be real tough. You needed these two points tonight with the amount of injuries they had. Now it's 
you're really hoping they can just keep themselves above water. Uh, it sounds like Kevin Hayes is going to be back soon. Nobody seems to have any idea what the hell is going on with Ryan Ellis, but they really need these guys. Yeah, and, and that's that brings up my other point, too, is, you know, especially with the Phoenix game, you can say they were hungry for a win being 0-8. My fucking at. The team's terrible. They're awful. There's no other way to put it. And when you're still equal at zero and zero going into the third period, like it's against the fucking coyotes, man. Like you need to come out with, especially at home, like, and then you're pushing more energy in the third They're like, Oh shit, maybe we should, you know, pick it up because it's tied. And then that's my issue. It has always been my issue with them playing down to their opponent. Yeah, absolutely. They, uh, and we've seen it these last two games. Thanks a lot, Hunter. Uh, it's just, they haven't, they haven't come out with the type of urgency. Now, again, they're missing guys too. I realize that. I realize it's early in the season. I realize it's a long season. But these excuses are shit we've been saying so many times. We've made excuses like this for this team in the past. And they haven't, you know, they've never given us reason to give them benefit of the doubt. That's, that's what else. That's the way I want to state this. They've never given us reason. Uh, to give them benefit of the doubt. Now they still have a good record. They got the point tonight. They're they're doing fine. But looking at projecting ahead, if they continue to play this way, they could be out of the playoffs by fucking February. Like they have to step it up. They have to play a whole lot better than they've played over the last couple of nights. Uh, Zach Boyle, Zach, you were live on the post game. Yeah, Bill. Uh, I'm not going to ask how you're doing because I imagine we're all kind of doing the same right now. Um, yeah, but a few things I want to say, I'm going to start with the positives before I get to the negatives, because there's, I, I don't want to be super negative on this, but Carter looked great. Uh, you said it earlier. He looked great. He bailed them out of looking like a seven to two game. So, uh, I'm super happy with what I see out of Carter and TK, a lot of energy, uh, on the four check and just generally in the offensive zone. So love what I'm seeing there. Um, it was funny. I went to school in West Virginia, which is like 45 minutes south of Pittsburgh. And all I heard about was how good the Penguins were, how good the Penguins were. And all I had to say was just, just wait until Crosby and Malkin are no longer a part of your team. Just wait. You guys are going to slip into obscurity and it will never hear from you guys again until you win an obscene draft lottery where you get back-to-back first overall draft picks and then you somehow are amazing again. Well, we just lost to a team without Crosby and Malkin, so I don't know if that's ever going to happen. That's good. Yeah, and they're like uh, they're an extremely well coached team. They seem to overcome uh, uh, you know cluster injuries every year, but their goddamn coach wasn't there tonight, and it wasn't just Crosby and Malkin. Like it was Dumoulin, it was Rust, it was a whole bunch of guys who were not in the lineup. They're missing like half of their defense. And they still come away with two points in a division game. Uh, you know, they're the cellar dwellers in this division, and they're keeping themselves in it despite having none of their best players. Uh, Flyers have to be a lot better than this. Yeah, such is our rotten life. But um, I I really tried. I really tried to like Ristolainen. I even said in the last calls, like, he's got a good shot. Like, just, you know, utilize that, and you'll bring value to the team. And – I don't know if I've seen that man take more than five strides in, in any like given sequence of offense. Like, he doesn't move. He's, I, I remember I was in college and someone compared Hal Gill to a traffic cone, like the most over, overpaid <laughs> traffic cone that you could ever put on the ice. And like, that's what it reminds me of. Like the man doesn't move. 
And even when he does move, it's with these like little tight little maneuvers where he like doesn't he doesn't do anything. He just moves his traffic cone body from one corner to another and expects that to be something. It's like he doesn't pass. How did this man get forty <laughs> points plus for like three seasons? How did that happen? It's it's really baffling, and the more you watch him play, and thanks a lot, Zach. I really appreciate it. The more you watch him play, like those those high points total seasons he had, I'll always call it uh, Kyle Calder system, uh, Kyle Calder syndrome. Um, most teams don't get shut out every night, you know. Someone has to score at some point. Uh, remember when the Flyers got uh, Kyle Calder? And I was like, oh, he's coming off this twenty goal season. Uh, maybe he can get a go, and he he, he sucked. He's like, yeah, because he, someone had to score. Like most teams don't get shut out every single night. Somebody had to score. It happened to be him. That's what it looks like with Rasmus Ristolainen. He was playing a ton of power play minutes, and uh, he put up some points. Like he has zero so far. Has he taken one slap shot? Like he's taken a few wristers. He's had the puck around the net a few times, which has been surprising. But man, he needs to let a few rip. Do something. Add some sort of value. Add some sort of value to this team at this point. Because uh, I don't think anyone's pleased with what they're seeing from Ristolainen. AJ Longwell. AJ, you were live on the post game. AJ, if you see an, un- an unmute button, hit it. Oh, lost AJ. All right, let's go to Christian Markow. Christian, you were live on the post game. Yeah. Uh, no, I completely agree. Uh, Ristolainen has been very disappointing. Dude, I mean, dude, like he he was brought in here to lay hits, and that was his thing. And I like, I mean, I didn't see any tonight. I didn't see him throw any hits. Like they were like, yeah, that was. Um, I I kept thinking watching the game, like if Ristolainen and this team needs some sort of spark, and do you want a top four defenseman in the box for five minutes? You don't, but. Fuck it! Like what? What? What's he doing for them on the ice? Like start a fight, do something that brings some energy to this team. Uh, I, I just didn't see it. I can remember one hit he had tonight where uh, a penguin dished the puck off, and he just kind of followed him to the boards and put it put pretty nice put a pretty nice hit on him. But like it it served zero purpose. Like the puck was had been well released, and it's not like he crushed the guy. But yeah, he just other than that, I don't remember a single thing he did uh, other than you know bad shit we saw yeah i mean it's the same as same as robert hag you know like the the guy came in like he threw these little baby hits and you know, they counted for at somehow on the the score sheet but i mean what did he really do no and i i saw very little if any uh positives to take away from ristoline and or that second pairs game tonight yeah, really, we we needed we needed to be more physical in this game. I think at the end of the first, it, they they put the little uh, graphic up on the screen. It said seven hits for the Penguins and none for the Flyers. Like, why why are we not playing more physical against a division division rival? And that's uh, one of my issues with Latang having even the energy to be able to score that goal at the end. And he made a tremendous play. Good for him. But, like, this is a dude just coming off the COVID list. He had symptoms. He, he missed some time. There's no way his cardio is where it should be. You needed to beat the shit out of Latang tonight. I don't mean, like, jump him in the parking lot. But, like, somebody, every time the puck was in their defensive zone, somebody needed to put a body on Latang. And I didn't see that at all tonight. No, there, there was, there was no physicality from the Flyers tonight, and that's very disappointing. 
Honestly, I think if we would have just thrown some more hits, you know, done a little bit more, we, we would have came away with a win. I don't disagree, Christian. Thanks a lot. Thanks for joining me. Uh, yeah, they needed whatever it was just to be crisper, be harder on the puck. Uh, it just seemed like they lost every race. They lost every battle. It really, and I hate resorting to this sort of cliche because it's the simplest shit to say, and you can say it whenever a team loses, but it really did kind of feel like Pittsburgh just wants it more tonight. Uh, They they came out hard right away, scored 16 seconds in, and the Flyers never really, like they had their moments. It's not like they got utterly dominated, um, but they should have more than a few, you know, a few shifts of competence when you have so many more good players than they do on the ice tonight. Like unbelievable. Uh, James Fields, James, you're alive on the post game. Hey, Bill, can you hear me? I can. How are you tonight, James? Doing good. I can't really hear you too well, but, uh, anyway, Hey, thanks. Thanks for doing these. These are pretty cool. These post game formats. Uh, you know, everybody's been harping on wrist aligning, uh, which is understandable. It was pretty disappointing that pair. Uh, but, really just a lack of compete level just no really like you said they just weren't hard enough on the puck weren't making hits not as not executing passes very well and i know as from playing defense that you know a lot of a lot of the turnovers in your defensive zone are because the you know your uh, your forwards just aren't in a really good position to take the puck but i'm just seeing a lot of bad decision making from the defensemen how would you shake up this core do you break up the wrist line and pair? I know that's kind of tough because you can't really put him with Braun because that's two righties. But uh, wait, at what point do you call up Cam York? I know, I know the AHL team's not doing so great, but you know, got to think about it. You know, I think I think they get a lot more slack than uh, you know. What are we uh, eight nine games into the season? I think they get more than that. But at a certain point, you're going to need to pull the trigger on something with this defense because they don't have – I mean, with Ellis out, it's a real mess. But even with Ellis, they don't have a uh, any other place to put Ristolainen and Sanheim. So I know they don't want to double up the lefties and righties, and when they have enough of each, they like to have one and one. But I, I do think maybe it's time to start trying something else with, uh, with these pairs because uh, – I get wanting to see if they can make this Ristolainen and Sandheim thing work, but like, what's that going to, what does that look like? Is that two years from now when they figure this out? Like uh, they look so bad. What would, what would it take for them to even get to average or somewhat competent? Uh, I, I don't think they're that far away from maybe making some changes in that way, but I think we could be a little while out before we see Cam York. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I'd like to, you know, at least have them consider taking Risto out over Sealer when Ellis gets back. You know, I think Sealer, I mean, is, you know, obviously with low expectations, has really done well in that third pair, and it's almost like you'd rather have him stay in the lineup. Yeah, Sealer's been Sealer's been decent, uh, and thanks a lot, James. Sealer has um, he hasn't killed you, and when you have your basically eighth defenseman in there, uh, you know, Samuel Moran out, and uh, you know now Ellis. When he's like your eighth defenseman, what what can you really expect from the guy? He's he's kind of just an extra body that they can throw in, so you know Cam York can play in the minors and uh, work on his game there rather than be in the press box. So it, he's 
I wouldn't say Sealer has impressed, but he hasn't killed them. Uh, I know they've been limiting his ice time uh, quite a bit. It's not like he's playing a ton, but you should limit the ice time of your third pair, your sixth guy, no matter what. Uh, that was an issue I had tonight. Was like, you know, we're in the third period. Why the fuck am I looking at the fourth line? Uh, wh- why? Why am I seeing this? And that's not to disparage the fourth line. Like they're trying hard out there, and certainly the team could have used that physical spark from them. But, you know, when all the Q Bell's out there taking a dumbass penalty, you go, well, this was predictable because he does this shit. This is who he is. Um, I, I'm just so disappointed when I saw out there tonight. All right. Let's see if we have anyone. Uh, Flyers and AZ. Flyers and AZ. You are live on the post game. If you see an unmute button, hit it. Yo, Bill. What's up? Oh, there you are. How are you tonight? You know, I've only heard you say the thing about the unmute button 83 times, and there it was, staring <laughs> me in the face. Uh, I just want to say thank you for this podcast because it's ridiculous as a Flyers fan that you have to go to pirate radio practically to get Flyers talk <laughs> in Philadelphia. It's unbelievable. I mean, yeah, I, if it uh, wasn't for you, you know, I don't know what I'd do. Yeah, you know, I always uh, – that's when people ask me, like I do interviews and stuff, they're like, how would you get this thing started? And I'm like – Honestly, I got tired of being the guy complaining about how they don't talk about it. I was like, I'll just talk about it. And then, you know, it it seems to have worked out. No, it's a natural progression. Wayne's world to you guys is unbelievable. Um, You know, it's early in the season. Yeah, it's it's easy to jump off the cliff sometimes with Flyers games. But, you know, Carter Hart looks good. And uh, this team, it's frustrating. You know, every – they do the things that when you coach six-year-olds, eight-year-olds, 10-year-olds, 12-year-olds that you say all the time, if you just go and touch someone and create chaos, you're going to make it harder. And when they don't move their feet, you see it every single game. And when they do move their feet, look what happens. It's unbelievable. It's like, it's like a peewee team sometimes. It's, it seems like they need things explained to them that are very obvious quite a bit of the time. And like, I, I don't, I don't know, just like, run, you should have been able to run Pittsburgh out of this game just by playing physical if you came out with the type of, uh, with the type of urgency you had to be able to tie it up at the end. This should have been like, uh, it's Pittsburgh. It's a division game. It's in their rink. I know these are always tough games regardless of the lineup, but there was a way for them to play tonight uh, that would have made things a lot easier, and they decided to do the opposite. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Well, here we go. Uh, at least we got a game like every every third night this month, so, I mean, it's a highlight of my – besides playing hockey myself, it's a highlight of my <laughs> week. So. Uh- and absolutely, thanks for uh, thanks for calling in. No, it's listen. The hockey season's underway. We got uh, it's it, basically now up until the holidays. We have hockey every other night, so uh, a bunch of back to backs in there. So I'm going to be doing these post games. They're always a good time. Let's see. Yeah, Nikki Hall's hanging around. Let's hear from Nikki, and then we can wrap it up. Yeah, pretty much. Um, it, it was interesting. I don't know if you went over it at any point. But um, that is the one thing I noticed is that we did cool off offensively. And it even says in the postgame notes here that um, uh, Broussard and Lawton lines are creating offenses sporadically and can't rely on the fourth line to generate offense. That leaves the Flyers as a one-line team. If you're paying attention in the early years of Giroux era, it is easy to contain one-line team from a defensive standpoint, which is true. You know, everybody has to contribute. It can't be just one line out there contributing and getting – the chances, and I mean, I know that's one of the slew of things, but like, 
this offense needs to get it together. I can't, this legit is bringing me back to uh, what season was it? We had the ginger beer line or whatever the hell it was called. It, that, that, like we had one line that was producing and the rest were just like, and we ended up breaking up that line and we actually saw results. I mean, it wasn't right away, but even so. Yeah, no, and this is uh, – we talked about when the season began, when it came out, that Hayes was going to miss the first eight to ten games or so. I I wondered how the hell are they going to score any goals, and then the first couple of weeks of the season happened, and we're all looking at each other going, huh, I guess it won't be that hard for them to score goals. But now, you know, they're not scoring on, you know, 20% of their shots or whatever it is. Derek Broussard has come back down to life. Uh, you know, uh, JVR is playing well, but not getting the bounces he was at the beginning of last season. Oscar Lindblom still just seems snake bitten as hell. He needs to get mm-hmm. on the board, and I think floodgates could open up for him a little bit. But it, they seem like if they don't get offense out of Couturier, Konechny, and Giroux, they're not going to get any offense. And the defense isn't contributing either forever. And in the beginning of the season, we were able to count on, uh, you know, offensive mm-hmm. contributions from the defensemen, haven't been seeing that at all, whether it's Sanheim, Provorov, uh, Ristolainen. These guys have put up points in their career, uh, even without Ellis. You know, Ellis, obviously a huge miss, uh, but these other guys need to be able to contribute something uh, on the offensive end as well. Oh, no, without a doubt. And that was the thing that, you know, you mentioned – Provy, like, you know, his rookie season, it's like you can really tell the difference between his rookie season and now because, like, you saw his rookie season. He was literally busting his ass doing everything and anything to get the defense to, like, contribute. He was just one man. But, like, I don't know if that's maybe, like, playing a factor that, like, you know, he's got some experience with the team and it's, you know, it's the rest of the defense doesn't really fall. Like, I mean, I feel like he can be more of, like, you know, he's supposed to be our number one defenseman. But he certainly doesn't feel like he's a number one defenseman. And as much as I beat, we beaten the dead horse with wrist line in tonight. Like, like a, a couple of people said, like honestly, I would have rather seen Nick Sealer in the lineup tonight. Like, see if that would have made the difference, you know? Like, for for what it's worth. Yeah, and yeah, and they they're gonna have to figure something out with this defense. Thanks a lot, Nikki. Uh, you know, when when Ellis comes back, I can't imagine a world in which, especially right away that Nick Sealer's playing over Rasmus Ristolainen when they just gave up a first-round pick um, for Risto and they're really trying to make this thing with Sanheim work. But maybe at some point we do see Cam York. You know, It's not out of the realm of possibility. He's a pretty damn good player. Um, he looks like – he looked last year in his limited uh, – you know, it's not like he played a ton – but he looked like he could play in this league. Not like he was a stud or anything. He's not He's not Bowen Byram or Kale McCarr or something, step on the ice and be a, a fucking star defenseman. But it looked like he could step on the ice and not look out of place. And right now, uh, I can't help but think that would be an upgrade uh, on our blue line. But we'll see how this all plays out. They'll, uh, they'll try to get that things going back in the positive direction on Saturday. And uh, that's when I will join you again. So thank you all for listening and thank you for hanging out. But before we get out of here, you know what I got to tell you about. I got to tell you about my pals over at Clear Rum. Clear Rum is an American, uh, American style rum. Uh, and I, I don't even like calling it that because I like to call it a craft rum. 
it's not it's not your Malibu. It's not your Captain Morgan. Uh, it's a sipping rum. You don't need to mix it with Coca-Cola or something just to be able to get it down. Uh, it, I, I've been drinking it just on the rocks with a splash of water. It's absolutely insane. Uh, my wife made a little, uh, I guess I can't call it a screwdriver because it's with rum instead of uh, vodka, but she was drinking it over the weekend, a little bit of orange juice. She loved it. Uh, I can't say enough good stuff about this rum. It's clear rum spelled K-L-Y-R, an American-style rum distilled in Lewisbury, Pennsylvania. But don't you worry. These guys are Flyers fans. This is rum for Flyers fans by Flyers fans. It's 12 times distilled, 18 times filtered, and right now, you can get it at Peddler's Village, uh, one of the places that just signed up to be able to uh, carry this outstanding product, Peddler's Village. So check it out over there and uh, check them out on Instagram, K-O-Y-R Rum. Uh, great stuff there. You'll be able to find out exactly where you can find it. Uh, but I love it. I really do. It's awesome that, uh, you know, I'll sell anything, sure, but I'm pretty happy that when I got a taste of this clear rum, I could go, oh, I don't even have to lie to the people. I can actually tell them I like what I'm selling. I think you will love it too. So try out this clear rum. It is delicious. All right. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, you got to hit that subscribe button. Just search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts and bang. Content, content, content. So much, I don't even feel like listing at all because I want to wrap up and just go watch TV and forget about this shit loss to the Penguins. Not even the Penguins. The fucking, they're the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. That's what they were tonight. They somehow still beat the Flyers in overtime. Flyers eke out a point, but what a boring, like, uninteresting shit. Just, I'm glad, at least it was, yeah, at least it's over. I guess that's what we can say about that game. It was just, it was wholly uninteresting. Uh, but I hope you didn't find this podcast uninteresting. All right, I'm rambling now. Uh, drink clear rum. My name is Bill Matz. Have a great week, everybody.